Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. You hear God better than you think that you do. Every single one of you. And especially those of you that know the love of God through the finished work of Christ. A lot of people know the love of God through His holiness or His standards or, you know, just the fact that He's the all-powerful God. But more, you know, more people need to know God through the finished work of Jesus, through who Jesus represented God to be and through what Jesus accomplished for mankind and how we are in God's family in Christ. More people need to know God. And that sounds like a no-brainer, but you'd be surprised. You know, some of you are sitting in this room and didn't really have that approach until even where you are now, even in just the last few years. And that's why people from all over the world watch online is because it's reshaping and reframing and, and, and I think putting our Christianity and our identity in proper perspective, and that is through God's eyes, through what He did toward us and how now we can live in that back toward Him in collaboration toward others to show them God's love. Amen? So because of that, trust, your, trust yourself. Trust yourself. Trust that you hear God, you know? And, and it's, it's simple things. It's simple things. So like I just, when you were saying that, Sarah, I just had the picture, you know, and this is a good practice to get into anyway. Now everybody's cold. Everybody's doing this now. Is it cold? Are you good? All right. If anybody gets cold, just scoot up next to somebody and they'll hug on you. But it's a good, it's a good practice to get into in general. Like when you wake up, it might start for you when you get up in the morning. In other words, so what I saw is Sarah in the grocery store parking lot an exercise that you could do is before you go into public, before you go to work, before you leave your bedroom and interact, I mean, all the way back to your bedroom, before you even put your feet on the ground, when you come to consciousness, you can just go ahead and tell yourself, this is who I am. This is how I'm going. This will be my attitude today. This is how I'm going to handle life today through the lens that I'm accepted and loved by God. And anybody that I encounter, I'm not going to react to them. I am going to respond to God, and if, if they need what is happening in my heart between me and the Father, then I will give it to them as well. I have a gift to give, and that is God's love for me, and so that they can experience God's love for them as well. But like, so sitting in the grocery store, especially in the grocery store, you're sitting there, and you're looking around, and it's hypersensitive, and Courtney was sharing with me this morning, he went to the grocery store, and, no, 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 I meant sit in your car, sorry. <laughs> You're sitting in your car before you go in the grocery store. Take yourself through the process. Remind yourself who you are. I'll finish that thought, but Courtney was saying that a grocery store worker was just, you said she was just so stressed and she was upset and how people are reacting. And it's like the people that are in there, you know, people are afraid and a little bit selfish and maybe a little bit inconsiderate and a little bit rude. And those, you know, the, of course the medical workers for sure, but also the grocery store people that are making minimum wage probably are just being inundated, inundated by bad attitudes and grumpiness fear. and fear. Yeah, you know, other people's fear, you know. So, 
Huh? Yeah, we just, blah, you know, people are just, last week we facilitated a conversation, and I'm going to do that a little bit today, but anyway. Um, so try that. If you're working, you're going out in public and working, you got to go to the grocery store, you got to go anywhere, you know, try that. Just take a minute, 60 seconds, and sit or stand and just put on your identity in Christ. Put off whatever it is that you've been dealing with and just remember, no, I'm a child of God. You know, you can, this is where learning physical relaxation and learning to bring your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and learning to control yourself, because that is a fruit of the Spirit, and controlling yourself is also controlling your thoughts. You know, thoughts, you've all heard the illustration, thoughts are like birds. They're going to fly over. But you choose which ones are going to make a nest in your head, right? Like, you can pick. Right now, we got birds trying to nest everywhere. You know, of course, we don't want to, we're all wondering, should we take the nest down? Are there eggs in there yet? You know, it's like, I'm sure we all have that going on. But, <laughs> but, but it's like, you have the capacity to determine what you let go through your head, which will then control your attitudes and your emotions and it all starts with you deciding who you are. Is that an amen? Yeah. <laughs> you also affect other people and you affect other people around you in a positive not way. Just, not just yourself. Not just yourself. That's right. You will affect positively other people. Right. They and, need what we have. And even at, even at just the basic fundamental level, you reap what you sow. And the world collectively reaps what we are sowing into each other. It's, it's, a, it's a process. And then you think about the energetics of how we affect the world around us. And then you think about the spiritual ramifications of that. You carry the presence of the living God in you. And you have the capacity to try. I don't know how that works. In fact, Jesus says... When he gets to the point where it's like, because that's what we want, right? We want to understand what that seed's doing in there. And we want to control that process and tell God when that thing is supposed to grow, right? But the issue is you trust, and Jesus teaches in Mark 4, that when the, when the, kingdom, the kingdom is in you, it's planted in you in full. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and Christ is in you. Jesus says, my kingdom doesn't come with outward observation, it's not that you can't say you can't say who's going to go down and bring it up or go up and bring it down. It's in you. The kingdom is in you. The word is in you. And it's in you to be planted in your heart. And the receptivity of your heart will determine the degree to which you allow that kingdom to grow into your life. That's like the whole mystery of the kingdom. The receptivity of your heart, where you believe, your persuasion toward God, how confident you are in the character of God, in the word of God, and the fact that God will do what he said he would do and continue to do so, your confidence in that determines how much you will let God work in your life and through you. You know, it, it, it's up to you. You're the doorway. We are the limiting factor. We are our own governor. And so it's important to know that, especially in a situation like this, because we go into the world, how dare we get back in our cars and complain because we didn't have a good experience in the grocery store? Well, you carry God. You, did you forget that he was in there? I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to all of us, right? The body of Christ. Don't forget that God lives in you. He's in there. 
and you, you make a single decision because other people around you need it. Amen? He's talking all the time. God's never silent. Because here's what happens in the human mind, uh, you know, in our psyche, whatever you want to call it, our self-perception, how we see the world is you, you, you find out what's in you when you go through difficulty. You know, you, you, you find out, I, I, I love the DISC profile, the D-I-S-C profile, and the old pattern had a, three different profiles, and one of them was it showed what you were like when you were stressed or under pressure, and some teachings when you read it will tell you the real you comes out when you're stressed. Hello. When you get squeezed, what's coming out? Like, it's, it's fine when everything's going well to put the mask on and be happy, but when the pressure comes on, you find out what you're made of. When your metal's tested, what's in you? Because that's what's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Who, and, and so a statement could be made, you don't know who you really are until you go through a tribulation, until the pressure's on, until you're squeezed. And I think here's the problem is that because Christians don't know who they are in Christ are reacting no different than the rest of the world. And they're blaming that pressure on God. And we're blaming it on God. I'm going to preach for a minute. Y'all be quiet. You can amen me. We'll talk later. That's my wife that talked, by the way, so I can say that. I was waiting until she said something to say that so I didn't offend the rest of you. You... Help me, Jesus. No, I'm kidding. No, I, I love you, peep. I do. I love it. And I, and I would, I, I, love, I love that. So, um, but th- so this, is, this is where we're going today, is that there is a hope that we have as believers that is greater than anything in the world. And it's, it's cliche, and it's like kind of a no-brainer that that's what we believe as Christians, right? Like we're supposed to believe that. But is it actually real to us? Is it something that we actually live in? The fact that we are the children of God, that we are righteous in Christ, that we have peace with Him. Do we actually live in the power of that? Do we live in the power that we are carriers of His presence? Do we actually live in the grace, the influence in our inner man, walking in that? Or is it just, we're in the world, and I believe those things, like I agree with them, but I'm doing the best I can in this world, but who I am in Him is not really affecting my life very much. Because you, you look at what's being said about the church right now. It's being deemed as irrelevant, non-essential. You know, I really don't see the church doing much in this. Everybody's looking to the government. I'm sure there's amazing things happening. Like, there are things that we're doing. There are ministries and things all over. There's little stuff that's happening. And I think that's the strength of the church is one-on-one and maybe in not, it's not in the spotlight, it's not in the limelight. But in a grand scale, on a global scale, the voices that are, people are turning to are not Christian voices. And things are being said like, well, you guys believe more in hospitals than you do in your God. Because what are we doing? And that's not an indictment against you saying that you're afraid or any of that type of stuff. It's just that, who are we really? And so think about this. This is, ask yourself this question, and it will, it will show you what you have your trust and your faith in. 
if your job goes away, where do you go in your mind? If this country goes away, where do you go in your heart and in your mind? If this world becomes radically different, what does that mean for you? Like, does that incite fear? Or does it say, it doesn't really matter what happens outside of me. I know who I am in Christ. I would prefer not to lose my job. I love this country, but nothing outside of me defines who I am in Christ. That has to be primary. That has to be number one. No matter what happens outside of you, it will tell you when it's shaken who you are. And that's why we have to build our foundation, our identity, our faith, our trust in the finished work of Christ, who we are in Him, so that we have the attitude that no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, economically, health-wise, globally, no matter what, we're going to live forever in heaven. And I'm not just talking about, oh, just white-knuckle it until you get to heaven, because we can affect this world too, but it's like if you start with your eternal identity and then back your way into this earth, this place has to change. It can change. You're not going to change heaven. It's set. You don't want to change heaven. But the power of it is alive in our hearts now. The reality of heaven is alive in our hearts now. And we can live within that in our minds and in our hearts. Like you can be as at peace right now as you will be in eternity in heaven when you don't have, you know, fat and carbs and all that kind of stuff to have to worry about. When you don't have pain from making a dumb mistake on your diving board. You know, when you don't, oh, I have a shoulder, I should, probably shouldn't have did that mountain bike that fast that day. You know what I mean? When you don't have that stuff to worry about anymore, who are you there? That's what we do. We put on that mindset now because that is who we really are. That's who you're going to be forever. And you are that now in your spirit. And you can hold that mindset now. Because I think we get caught up in the, well, I get that that's who I am, but how do I get that into my life now? You don't know how to get that into your life now. But if you hold it as a reality and a truth in your heart, just like the ground holds the seed, your heart holds the Word of God, the kingdom of God, it will manifest. Jesus promises that it will. He teaches that it will. Put it in your heart. Abide within it cultivate it, sit within it. Let yourself be defined by who He is in you, not by what you do externally. And then it just, it, it, affects, it affects you. It affects your life. It affects the world around you. It shapes the kinds of choices that you make. You know, in my mind, I see that the more confident and persuaded you are in who you are in Him, that conditions your physical mind, your, your worldly mind, to be receptive to His input so you end up making decisions fueled by who He is in you rather than reactionary to what's going on around you. Are you with me? So before you do anything, you go in the grocery store, you go deal with the people in your household, you go to work, you go to the doctor, anything, you remind yourself, this is who I am. This is the situation I'm going into, but it's temporary. And I'm not just white-knuckling it until I get through this situation, right? Holding on real tight to that eternal reality so that I can just barely skate through this one. You got to hold on. Hold on to who you are in Christ. Embrace it. Put on the new man in Christ. And I love this example. 
you have uh, in Daniel, which I have a, a passage. We'll put it up in just a second here. But in Daniel, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are overseeing at some leadership aspects of Babylon for King Nebuchadnezzar. Most of us know the story, and you probably even know this particular passage, but I love it because it gives an example of our attitude. Now, these guys were under a king that would kill people if you didn't bow down and worship a statue of this king. Think about that. Like that actually happened. This knucklehead has a statue made of gold of himself, thinks that he's a god. He's obviously some type of demonically influenced, huh? Selfie, yeah, like that's the original selfie, King Nebuchadnezzar statue of himself. <laughs> and he's, can you imagine? I mean, imagine this guy standing there looking at this statue of himself in gold and killing people if they don't bow down to it. Like that happened. It's a reality. And there are other people running things for this guy because he's got a lot of power. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three Hebrew children or men, and they were brought in, and this is basically what happens here. I, I love this story. So this is Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They're like, we know who we are. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and He will deliver us. I love that. Just so you know, He's able to, and He will. Like, do you see God as that in your life? He's able to. Like, like most, like every Christian say God is able to, whatever, but will He? Absolutely. This must be our attitude, not just facing this virus, because there are things that might get worse. There are things that might happen that might be way worse. And indeed, they are in a lot of areas. I mean, can you think about what it's like to live in North Korea right now, China, or even just a poverty-stricken area, you know, and the mentality that those people need to have? If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us from you, king. I see it. I see the statue. I see the dead bodies. I can smell their flesh burning in that fire. They're standing right next to the fire that people are being thrown into. Sorry, I know there's kids here. I mean, yeah. Uh, back, just one more. From you. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Next one. 18. But even if he does not. Now, is that them wondering? Because they just stood before the guy who's killing people and said, we're not bowing. Our God, he can and he will deliver us. A lot of people look at this as a statement of uncertainty. But I say they're doubling down. It's like, just so you know, even if he doesn't, but he can and he will, he will. But just so you know, in our hearts and in our minds, even, even, if, he, even if he wouldn't, we still ain't worshiping you. Like that must be our attitude toward the Lord himself. 
in, in the face of anything that comes against us in this world, or even that you just go into in this world. They knew who they were, they knew who God was, and they knew who they were. There was a connection deeper and greater than anything that they were facing, and they were facing the end of their lives. And, you know, eventually they were thrown in and delivered. But I love this. Even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, how do you get this type of surety? How do you get this kind of hope? How do you get this kind of confidence? It's not in anything that you do. It's in everything that he's done. And that's what we, that's, I, I think... You know, it's like it should be the easiest thing to understand, but I think a lot of people don't grasp it, that your faith is not something that you build up. It's You put it in Him. You put it in who He is. You stand and you behold the Father. You behold Jesus. Looking at Jesus and what He's done for us, and that should develop such a persuasion within you of who He is and how He feels about you. So how do you get this type of attitude? How do you get this type of courage and strength and inner interdependence on the Lord. I've got a couple of passages here. Let's, let's go through these. In Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you take something like this and you read it verse by verse, word by word, and you think about it. And you make sure that you actually grasp the concept of what it's saying. And you read it in such a, like we did in Colossians a couple of weeks ago. You read this with the intention of being able to say back to someone else, this is what this is saying. Like, put it, can you put it in your own words? That will help you understand it conceptually. And what does it mean for you? So, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Say, I have peace with God. No matter what. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith, and all faith means is trust. Faith means Jesus is standing here. He says something. Faith says, I agree, yes. And some of us may agree more, and some of us may be, mm, I know he said it, but mm, we'll see, right? That's the difference of faith. Not in what's in you, but in how much do you agree with him. Uh, so through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace. And this is where I want to end today. i got one more passage, but we're going to end on the idea of what grace is. Because grace is something that is alive and active that we can actually choose. Like when you're sitting in your car before you go in the grocery store, when you're looking at your checkbook before you write your bills out, when you're watching the news and you're thinking, who am I in this situation? And if something outside of you has been taken away or touched or made difficult and you're sorting through, who hey, am I? What do I what, what's going on? Who am I in this situation? Because when external things happen to us, the more traumatic they are, the more they make us question who we are. Like that's where trauma comes in is something that's overwhelming for you externally happens to you that it actually gets inside of you and begins to define you from the outside in. And we must be defined from the inside out, no matter what, because of who Christ is in us. Amen? And so this is, this is how you do that. And that grace will fuel that process within you to stand in that power of who you are in Him. 
through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace. Grace is God's divine influence in our heart in which we now stand. We stand in grace and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Now, this is a passage where he's talking about suffering for the sake of the gospel, being persecuted for their faith, being arrested, stoned, beaten, killed, whatever, for their faith. We're not talking about losing your job because of an economic situation. We're not talking about getting sick because there's a virus in the land. Those are tribulations that come. The world has those things within it. The sufferings, if you go through and you look at, you break it out, what he's talking about is stuff that's being done to them because they're proclaiming Jesus as Lord. That's what we're talking about here when he says suffering. So not only so, but we glory in it. We glory when we are beaten for proclaiming the gospel. We glory when we are arrested and thrown in jail for proclaiming the victory of the, the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Grace will develop that character within you. Keep going. And hope, and hope is confident expectation of good things, no matter what. Hope isn't, well, I hope it's going to happen. Hope is like, like the children, the Hebrew boys. They're like, our God can and will. That is hope, confidence. Uh, and hope does not put us to shame. You're not, you know, you're not going to be standing there looking like a dummy because you had hope in the Lord. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. There, there is a, there, this is a missed gem of Christianity. Experiencing God's love for you in your heart. It says it right there, right? God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Like we think, when we think of God's love, a lot of times in Christianity, it's that God did this amazing thing, so he's outwardly displaying love, and it's kind of this external thing that he did, and if we believe in that external thing, then we engage and he does something within us. But no, his love, just like you eat food and that stuff gets assimilated into your body, his spirit is in you and gets assimilated into your being. His love is actually a thing in you, for you. This is like, you can't really build a doctrine on this stuff, but I love these kinds of stories. I'm going to push pause and tell you this for just a minute. I, I, maybe because I lost, you know, my mom back in October and, and Robin's father just passed away and we love you and your family and we're praying for you. And, and it's difficult. It's difficult to lose parents. And, and so I've been thinking about her a lot, especially with Mother's Day coming up next week. And uh, I ran across this near-death experience book, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago and read it, and it was just really cool. And I don't know, I've just kind of been interested lately in jumping on YouTube and watching some of these near-death experience videos. And you, you, again, you can't build a doctrine on it, but there is consistency in how God represents himself in a lot of these people's encounters. And a lot of these people's encounters, they're, they're very biblical. And without fail, they are all describe a tangible love that you feel that's beyond anything that they've ever felt. And it's so peaceful and it's so comforting and it's warming and they describe it as alive. You know, I, I, I think people do have, they come out of their bodies and go into the presence of the Lord 
and experience that. And sometimes they come back. I, I think it happens. I think it's a real phenomenon. And I think these people's experiences with the Father and with Jesus himself, some of them see him, I think is real. And I think we can listen to them. You know, it's in the Bible that people are caught up into heaven and have experiences and, you know, come back. And whatever you think about it, you think about it. But what, I'm take, what I take away from those is that those people come back with a confidence in God's love for them that's greater than they had before they went there. And it, it's like they describe it as God's love is alive, like they feel it. And, and, and it's like it, there's no need, they'll say it's, there's no need to eat because it is a thing there that's nourishing and alive and sustains you, you know. That, that's something that I, 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 wanna, I, I want to be real for all of us. You know, when Jesus said, I've got food that you don't, you know, I've got stuff to eat you don't even know about. He's talking about God's love. He just is. It's in your heart. And that heart is the inner man. That heart is the inside of you that is in some way connected to the Spirit of God. It's like, if I may, it's like your heart is the umbilical cord attached to the Father and He's directly nourishing you in Him, right? Like that's the picture. I think, I think everything that God did about life is a sign. It's a, it's a, it's a representation, right? It's like we are being directly fed and nourished within our hearts. That's why He had to give us a new one so that it could receive his love. All right, let's keep going. His love has been poured out in, let me finish that one, into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Say, that's me. Next verse. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have, not, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? A lot of people are afraid. Is God judging? Is God doing this? Is it, well, you're saved from God's wrath. It all been poured out on Jesus already anyway. Next verse. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? His life, it's that same picture of his love being shed abroad in our hearts. And the final verse here. Not only in this so, but we are also... Uh, not only in this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So that picture of God's love being shed abroad in your heart, I think it's defined in Ephesians 3. And this is something that we just always go back to. You can jump over to that. It's a cornerstone of where we believe and where we preach, and we always go back to this, and it's just incredible. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his... Now, see, I, this is a picture that I see. I, when I meditate, I will see this. I see God with an endless reservoir of glorious riches, and it's being fed directly into my heart. It's, it's, it's delivered by his Spirit through the vehicle of his love for me, 
And the more that I can open up myself and receive his love, the more I will allow these glorious riches to be developed within me. If you're having trouble believing that God loves you, that's where it all starts. That's just where it all starts. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. This is a real thing happening through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that's not talking about being born again. That's talking about moment by moment, second by second, you allowing Christ to be in there, in that place that you live from. He's in your spirit. He's connected with you, but your heart might not always be open to him. And that's what we talked about last week. A lot of people are hardening their hearts, you know, because, because they're being so defined by what's going on externally and they're not standing in their true identity in Christ that the, all this external stuff is starting to define who they are. And you can't. you got to push that stuff back. No, I will not give in. I will not bow to this stuff out here. My God will deliver me. And even if he doesn't, this stuff out here is not going to kill me because I'm living forever with the Lord. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, say power, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of God, is the love of Christ. And to know this love, and that word know is an experiential love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, this is the effect of that love, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If there's a love that's powerful, is nourishing, is strengthening. You know, to me, that is, a, that is a, the clearest functional description of what grace is. God's influence in our heart. His love brings that grace into us. And can we stand within it? And that's your choice. Can you choose grace over the circumstance? Can you choose grace over the temptation? Can you choose grace over the trauma and the abuse? Can you choose grace over the failure, over the economy, over a virus? Can you choose grace? How do you choose grace? You put on who you are in Him. You affirm His love for you. You sit within that, deep within that, knowing that His love is being shed abroad within you. How does it work? That's where most of us stop and we hit the wall. How it works is this, a farmer, has seed in the ground, goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how it happens. You can pull that down. Is that where you are in your heart? Do you know that no matter what, that stuff is in there working? Because we just saw in two different places very clearly that his love is being shed. He's putting his love right into our heart. He's feeding it to us. He's giving it to us. It comes out of him. It's, you know, to me, his love coming out of him is like the sunlight coming out of the sun. It has vitamins in it. Like, that's amazing. The sun, act, the, like plants actually absorb vitamins in the sun. You know, it's invisible. Are you with me? But like, this, this is where I want to live. I want to wake up every day and put on my helmet of salvation and my breastplate of righteousness and stand in my true identity in him guarding my heart, knowing the who I am in Him, that no matter what, my God can 
and will. And my attitude is, even if he doesn't, say, now wipe the spit off the back of your neighbor's head. You know, that, that's the attitude. It's like, oh. and, and so then you will be labeled by your family members. Well, you don't, how can you not care? Well, you're misperceiving my confidence in Christ. It's not that I don't care. I'm just not going to be swayed by this stuff that's going on around here. I mean, it's like, who cares if our nation falls? I don't want it to. I love this Constitution. I think it's the greatest nation on the planet, and it deserves to be fought for and protected. But I'm not getting my identity, my eternal identity from that. I'm not getting my eternal identity from my job or any of that stuff that's external, right? There's a greater reality. It's a greater reality. And can you live in that greater reality to the point that it actually strengthens you? And I think that that's what's missing in the body of Christ is it's informational. It's not functional. It's not something that's actually happening. It's not something that, it, that we actually depend on to be fueled by God's love for us. It's a nice idea when we get overwhelmed and when the, the music is just right and the right keys are being played and the temperature's just right and we had the right breakfast that morning and we're not sitting there and our stomach's hurting and we feel and oh my gosh, God is moving, God is moving. <gasps> Does it really take? Uh, you know what I'm saying. We are so external that we have moments where we think like God is more real than other times. We're so immature in our faith. When I say we, I mean the collective body of Christ in general. That we're, that we're, I'm trying to, I, I, I don't really have anything negative to say. I just, I just want us to realize, and you don't, whether good or bad, whether good or bad, whatever's going on around you doesn't define you. Have a faith that's built from who you are in Him and this love that's in you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We love you. We trust you. We thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. We keep our hearts open to receive your love, to be empowered by your grace, to carry your gospel, and we will. We make that commitment. If you're making that commitment, just say amen. amen. Yes. Well, praise God. Um, I, I am so happy to say that we haven't had to worry about finances even once. You know, like in, in the beginning, the first week or two, I think there was a little bit of a dip, but it's like, you know, people that are here care about this church and care about this message and have a desire and a purpose to see this grow out, and it's just been, it's just been pretty amazing. So, and uh, Adam was telling me, who Adam does all the finances, that some people even watching online are, are starting to give, and you know, I will invite you, if you're watching online and you see this place as your church or you benefit from this message, participate. We're not trying to manipulate you. We're not making you empty promises, but we do invite you to give. And if you put the slide up, we'll end up this way. And I, I was talking to Janine about um, the, how easy it is to do the giving. It's the, uh, yeah, so this one here, you're probably going to have to put it on the stills so it doesn't change automatically for you, but... Uh, the, e the easiest way is to text the number. Somebody was emailing me the other day, and they were like, 
kept saying that it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. And I finally figured out they weren't, they were texting the church phone number and putting in that number as the text. And it's like eight, imagine eight, four, three, two, one is the phone number that you're putting in. So if you've ever been confused by that, you like when you're at, if you were to text somebody, the contact person, the phone number that you're texting is the eight, four, three, two, one. And then you put your amount in there, the, the dollar amount, it'll send you back. If it's the first time you're doing it, there's a two step thing. But from then on, you can do it. Just text, just text, putting in some numbers with a bunch of zeros, by the way, that's a hint. You put a bunch of zeros on it. God will like you better. I'm teasing. You know that. But uh, thank you for those that continue to support because, we, you know, we, we are bad at telling you all the things that we get to do. On a local level, we're supporting I-58 Mission, which is a local organization that brings food to those that are hungry and in need in our community. We're continuing to support Pastor George in Kenya. We have not stopped any of our support to Kenya. In fact, we've actually upped it. We've had some things that we've done over there. We helped Teresa June Webb with Desert Rose Ministries provide food for people up on Mount Paca, which they sent some videos. We need to play, maybe we'll play some of those videos in a week or two. I put them in our church Facebook group, but these guys up that are, I mean, it's, it's, you can't believe that people still live this way on this planet, but you know, it just came about they needed some food. We shot some money over, praise God for technology. We got the food up to them with Desert Rose. And, and uh, you know, that, so we are still doing things and we haven't backed down. We've actually increased what we're doing. So we just need to get better at bringing those reports and testimonies in so that you guys know what you're supporting because it's, it's pretty amazing. And to hear back from them, it's a blessing because you should be blessed by those as well. But if you're and and also if you have people that are on that don't that are not on Facebook, Courtney's figured out a way. We are actually did so it seemed to work today, right? We live streamed on YouTube. Did it work the whole time? Yeah. yeah. So we're actually live streaming on YouTube now. You're watching on Facebook, but if you have people that want to watch on YouTube, it's the Forward Church channel. Just go subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.